All right. Welcome to the Expert Witness Podcast. I'm happy to introduce today's guest, Tori Roberts. Tori is the principal engineer and founder of Roberts Forensics. His primary focus is on crash reconstruction. And in his 15 years of experience, he's investigated and reconstructed over 400 crashes. Tori, thanks for being here today. We're happy to have you. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> All right. So one of the first questions I always like to ask is, how did you get introduced to this type of work? <clears throat> so I, I kind of have an interesting story. I've uh, I've been doing in some form or another, like forensic engineering, crash reconstruction since 2001. Um, I went to, to University of Boise State and I was a freshman and I had just applied for an internship with a guy in, in Boise that did. He was a civil engineer and he did forensic engineering, um, but he was kind of doing like some civil structural stuff and he would do also did, did crash reconstruction. And so for me, just looking for an internship, not at that time really understanding even what I was getting into, I applied <laughs> and uh, went and interviewed, and I think it went pretty well. And then I didn't hear anything for a couple of weeks. And uh, at the time, I was—I've always been kind of a car guy, you know, into into cars and stuff. So I got what I thought was a great job. I was working at one of the, like the exotic car dealers in town, and kind of just uh, what they called like a lot boy, where I would. They'd sell a car, you'd go wash it, um, <clears throat> you'd clean, you know, keep the lot organized. You're just kind of the runaround guy, mm -hmm. keeping track of all the keys for everything. And I was taking one of their cars to an upholstery shop to have some upholstery done. And this was like a fairly nice older vintage car. And uh, I crashed it. I crashed it, got in a crash <laughs> <laughs> while driving it. And so... Uh, it basically spurred me like, hey, I'm probably not going to be working there anymore. <laughs> I need to go find something else. And, you know, 20-year-old self is like, I got to call everybody I interviewed with. And so I just kept pestering him because that, that was the one that I felt the best about. <clears throat> and then I ended up getting hired because I wouldn't leave him alone. <laughs> so I got into, into crash reconstruction by actually getting into a crash. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah, that's kind of the story. And I, I worked for him for, you know, like five years all through school. Great, like part-time job. I learned a ton of stuff. I decided I wanted to go try out design and I'd been, I, you know, I got my mechanical degree, but I've been exposed to the civil work and I took a job actually doing structural engineering as an EIT okay. and did that for like a couple of years. Uh, went back into forensics again, working with him. Uh, and it just kind of, it didn't end up working out ultimately, but I still wanted to do it, but I wanted to really kind of hone in on the crash reconstruction stuff. Uh, so I just ended up, and I was even willing to relocate out of Boise because, you know, as you know, Boise is not a big town, uh, okay. not, not always a, a high volume of work and you really have to get, get your name out there on a national level mm -hmm. to stay busy here. Um, so I took a job in St. Louis working for a, you know, a bigger forensic engineering firm um, doing crash reconstruction. And then I worked for them for maybe about seven years before I relocated back to Boise uh, and started my own. So that's kind of my, my uh, background. Hmm. Oh, that's cool. Got, a, got into it yeah. 
even while you were in school if i most people yeah have no <laughs> idea what it even is while they're in school it's not usually something they talk about much so yeah it was it was a great experience because at a young age you know uh he was a testifying expert um i i just got a lot of really good just observational work i got to help him you know, help him, hey, prep for depositions, help him out with all kinds of stuff. And actually, I even got to go see him testify a few times. Mm-hmm. Um, so I felt like I really had my head wrapped around the industry, you know, and how everything works early on. So, yeah, that's yeah. great. It's good, good to have someone like that that'll introduce yeah. you to it and, and bring yeah. you along. Really fortunate. Yeah. So, so when you came back to Boise and started your own company, were there any, barriers or obstacles you had to overcome uh, when you were starting this business and did the cases come slowly or have you been in high demand from day one? I mean, <clears throat> I, know, I mean, the barriers and obstacles are just making the investment in yourself to do it. For me, I mean, it was kind of taking a gulp and buying all the equipment and the software and, and just betting that, Hey, I, I think I have a really good reputation in the industry. I think I've, I've been very credible. Mm-hmm. I know there's clients that will uh, want to use me and just the work sort of slowly came in. You know, the, the first year was was mediocre, but then it's been a pretty good growth uh, line since then. And I, I haven't done a ton of marketing. Um, mm-hmm. I'd say my marketing is just sort of tied up in the casework that I do. And that is doing a great job. And then uh, trying to go get like the FaceTime with the client instead of a phone call, if they're around, you go to their office, you know, that, especially that's been good for local work. So, yeah, yeah that's, that's a great idea. It was a, it was a bit of a slow burn, but then, as you know, once the faucet's on, <laughs> you know, it's coming in. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So for, for the people that aren't familiar with accident reconstruction or crash reconstruction, can you tell us a little bit about the types of cases that you commonly work on? You know, what what does that look like? What type of work are you doing and what situations call for your expertise? <clears throat> yeah, so we're, we're typically involved in cases where um, there's some, a lot of our cases, there's been a fatality, that, that kind of thing. So they're usually pretty bad crashes, pretty big accidents. Um, we will get retained sometimes in the in the days after or the day of and have to go to industry tournaments, rapid, you know, response on it and get out to the scene right away is basically what they're looking for because they want that like early collection of evidence. Mm-hmm. Um, and then sometimes you're retained years later and nobody anticipated it would be a big you know, case that gets wrapped up in the legal system and now they need an expert and they've got 30 to 60 days to disclosure, whatever, and you've got what you have to work with. So it kind of runs that way. We do um, quite a bit of, I'm kind of specialized more in, in accidents involving heavy trucks, tractor trailers, that kind of thing, as well as, as motorcycles. Um, so that's probably most of the cases that I get. Like I still do some vehicle to vehicle work and some some pedestrian accidents, but mostly tractor trailers. So. Okay. <clears throat> so this is 
I don't know if you heard about this. This was it's probably five or ten years ago. I I was on my way to Idaho from Utah and we were driving up I-15. And we were noticing that the other side of the freeway going southbound was just stopped for four or five miles. Like there were people barbecuing, throwing a football. Like it was, <laughs> it was not moving slowly. It was dead stopped. And so we, my wife and I were curious. So we're looking it up. Uh, she, my wife was looking it up on her phone as I was driving. And apparently a trailer uh, that had a bunch of cows in it came off this overpass or came off the freeway exit and turned left to go back over the freeway and was going too fast and tipped over and several cows fell out onto the freeway below onto a couple of cars. Uh, And so they had to like stop everything and like rent a backhoe and bring it out. (laughs) Yeah. Cows didn't get up after the fall. (laughs) No, no, no. They they weren't self-sufficient at that point. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I mean, is that is that like the type of case that you would work on something like that or most? Uh, yeah, that? yeah, that could be definitely could be something <laughs> crazy like that. I mean, it it's stuff that you're just sometimes you look at it and you're like, how did this even happen? Or I wouldn't <laughs> imagine this would be the case. Like it's in one sense, you're like, oh, I've done this type of case before. And in another sense, mm-hmm. they always have some nuance to them that just sort of surprises you. It's always something unique. You know, yeah, there there is a large element of that in this type of work. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's so true. It's true. Yeah. All right. So, I guess the next question with doing accident reconstruction, you said that a lot of these cases you're you're almost on call. They'll call you right away. So, are most of your yeah. cases local, regional, or do you work nationwide, or how does that work for for you? Um, I mean, probably fifty percent or more at this point are are local to Idaho. I would say Idaho, kind of Montana, Utah, Eastern Oregon, Washington, kind of that region. Mm-hmm. Um, I still get called on cases to go, you know, kind of all, all over the West. So New Mexico's always popular. And then I'll do some work in the Midwest, you know, got a couple of clients, that will basically send me all over the place. And so it's still a bit of a mix, but I really like growing the business as close to my office as I can at this point <laughs> for, for my work, you know. Yeah, uh, absolutely. <laughs> as the business grows and you have more people, it's like, yeah, you got to spread out more and do, do more in different areas. And that's completely okay too. But the older I get, the, the more I want to be within like a four hour drive. <laughs> <laughs> you know, get up early, go out and maybe get back the same night. So Yeah, no, I get that. Yeah. <laughs> I get yeah. that. Yeah. All right. So so what is it about expert witness work that you really enjoy? Um, like why why do you do this type of work? I think like my my favorite part of it is just getting getting like a deep dive in into figuring it out into that challenge just when you can have those days where you're just like i'm just going to dive into this case and figure out this case figure out what happened and this is after you've gone out and done all the legwork all the data collection you have everything back and now you're like analyzing the case those are my favorite days is 
is because I almost just get lost in it. I'll I'll start it in early in the morning. I'll be like, it's seven o'clock at night and I got to wrap this up. But I'm still so obsessed with what's going on and really just checking off every single variable that you can. And and uh, that kind of stuff, I feel like, is just uh, one of those things that I don't know as an adult that there's too many things that you get to just kind of get just lose your day in. And that's really my favorite part of it, you know. Yeah, absolutely. When you get into yeah. that flow state, uh, <clears throat> I was reading a book on flow the other day. Yeah, and they talk about that when you're just in the zone and you're working on something that you that you like and you're competent in and yeah. working on solving the problem. It's it really is enjoyable. I I agree with that. Yeah, and it's it's very rewarding when you get through it and and you look at it and you say, on the onset, I, and this is how I try to be on every case. I want to go in as a blank slate. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't know what happened. I didn't know any of this. Started piecing evidence together, started running your calculations, maybe doing some simulation, stuff like that. And when you look at it, and you figure out and you have that, like, I I feel very, very sure that this is how this happened because I've checked every other, you know, possibility. I've looked at everything that I can and I feel like I have sufficient evidence to come to that conclusion. And it's it's kind of a, you know, it's science, but it's kind of has that feeling of creation to it almost, you know? yeah absolutely some some value yeah absolutely i agree with that yeah that's great all right so have you ever been reviewing information for a case and found out that you're definitely on the wrong side of the case and if you have what do you what do you do in those situations i mean I, i hope that's happening because if you don't find out you're on the wrong side you're not you're not looking at all possibilities because there's always <laughs> going to be cases that come in that you're going to be on the wrong side. And mm-hmm. I always kind of look at it like uh, my analogy is it's it's as an expert, it's it's my job to give the weather forecast and it's my client's job to decide how they want to dress, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and and yeah, that's how I look at it. And so there there's going to be cases where you come back and say, hey, there's a there's a lot of bad news here and you need to know about it up front before we keep going and i feel like that that long term just credibility in this industry is such a big deal and Mm -hmm. and i think you're going to uh just have a really good reputation and and i know most clients really appreciate knowing up front what the issues are and what they aren't so that they can they can decide how they want to you know dress so to speak (laughs) yeah i've Oh. I've I've had the same experiences. I find most attorneys they're yeah. they're disappointed to get that sort of news that you know they don't really have a case, but they're very happy to get it. You know they'd rather get it yeah. early on before they've spent a whole bunch of time and money. Yeah. Um, you know, and that allows them to make the best decisions for their clients. Uh, yeah, and I I think with that it comes with you know being very thorough, and when you're expressing those those things to them that aren't good news you really have a good outlay of here's what it is. Here's why here's everything I've done. Everything I've looked at, I've looked at this from all angles and, you know, yeah. And then yeah. they, they really trust and respect your work and they're going to come to you again. So. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Very good. All right. So <laughs> this is always a fun question. Uh, so depositions and trials are often thought of as, serious and well-planned out events. Uh, and sometimes they are, uh, but not always. <laughs> um, 
So if you ever had a a particularly lighthearted or funny interaction uh, that happened during a trial or a deposition? uh, Yeah, I do. I have a pretty good one um, that I'll always remember. I was, it was in Springfield, Illinois, and it was such an interesting thing because sometimes just statutes limitations, like that there were some uh, younger individuals involved in this particular accident. So it ran pretty long and, I was in I was in St. Louis for about six years, and then I I was actually in Denver for for a year and a half or so. But this was one of the first cases that I got in St. Louis, and I'd worked it up, and then this thing just sat forever, sat forever. Literally, the month I'm moving is the trial for this particular case. So it's like I think it was like the second case I ever got, and the last one of the last things I did before I moved was go testify at the trial. My house was literally in boxes, you know. <laughs> And so we go to testify and uh, I really enjoyed working with this particular client. You know, they just, just like, we kind of had a good rapport with each other and stuff. And we've had a couple other testifying cases. And so he, he comes out of the courtroom to get me to testify. And there's like a three-year-old kid sitting by the door and he just flings that door open and just sends that kid <laughs> just hits it really hard oh, and so i'm coming in to sit down getting sworn in and you just hear <laughs> in the background just this wailing you know <laughs> so that's always uh you know just a funny uh what a way to start off you know your testimony um, yeah oh man yeah and then i have another one that was a deposition actually and you know depots are always kind of tense and stuff and mm-hmm uh <laughs> i had had uh i mean i just come and say it i basically like the week before like four days later of the weekend i had had a vasectomy <laughs> and i couldn't sit because i just was in pain and so i tried staying sat down for the first like 30 minutes and i couldn't so i stood up and i started answering the questions that way and the depot went from like fairly friendly to very combative <laughs> very quickly because they're like why is this guy standing up so finally we take a break and i explain the whole situation to him and he's like oh no problem man you know (laughs) had that myself a while ago so yeah those are the two that kind of stick out that's great oh man yeah yeah fun fun stuff um all right so if you were going to give someone who had just been retained on their first case one piece of advice, what would it be? I mean, I I would say the best thing that you can do is, number one, make sure you're knowledgeable on the subject and ready to take in the case. Don't take in something that you just don't have the expertise to be doing, mm-hmm. or at least some comfort level that, you know, you feel qualified to be an expert. But beyond that, just just come in as a blank slate as far as opinions on what happened you know you're going to hear from your client you might read a police report you might have all these initial thoughts on it but really try to brush those aside until you get to look at the evidence yourself and you get to like really piece this together because so many times things aren't always you know what they seem on the onset and if people have just given this case or whatever a, a glance and a look and look at it and make these assumptions or correlations that just don't exist. Uh, 
you can find yourself going down down a path that just isn't going to end up being correct or wasting a lot of time on things that aren't aren't real. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so one one of the things that I found, like you said, is that in almost every case, everybody wants to know what happened, right? Like yeah. why why did this person get hurt, or why did this car crash, or why did this thing break? You know what really happened? Um, have Have you ever had one where you just can't figure it out, or where or yeah. or and, where? everybody the police report you know everyone had this idea of what happened but turned out to be something totally different yeah ever had those i mean that there's always your obscure cases where people look at it make assumptions and have this conclusion and if you're looking at something and you just keep telling yourself it doesn't make sense it's not adding up it doesn't make sense Mm -hmm. and I think that's when you have to just wipe the slate clean and reset and try to come back to it. I mean, I, I've been working on one throughout this week that nothing added up coming into it until I did like a total reset on it and started over. And then I did come up with a solution that matches all the evidence and everything aligns, but it wasn't at all the obvious situation, you know, and I'm sure you've had those cases where you are just kind of banging your head against your desk and uh and it's usually because you have some assumption or something in your head that's like oh it's like this one i looked at here before except mm-hmm. then you look at it you're like well this piece isn't adding up and this piece isn't adding up and this piece isn't adding up you know yeah absolutely start over yeah <laughs> yeah i remember one case i did i was i was working this is when i was fairly new and i was actually working for the expert right so i was kind of the lead associate if you will and you know he'd gone out and done the inspection and they all had this idea of they were trying to put a scissor lift up on a trailer and it had fallen off and hit somebody and there was a bolt that was bent in just a really weird way and i'd I'd gone through and i'd written the report up kind of the way that he had thought that it might have happened and it just it just didn't add up and so we went Mm -hmm. back and you know, tried to figure out, okay, and turns out that, you know, one of the ramps wasn't even bolted on, and the one that, so one of the ramps had actually fallen off, and they thought that the twisted bolt was, had been, like, twisted out as it fell. Um, it turns out the twisted bolt was in the ramp that stayed on, uh, and we, we were able to recreate that and show show the bending pattern, and it was, yeah, it turned out really good, but man, I had the yeah. same experience like had almost a whole report written and i'm just like this just doesn't add up man and, and it, it's uh, even harder too i think when you have multiple experts on a project and yeah. the momentum's pushing in this direction and you're the guy that's like well wait a minute this this is not adding up this isn't this doesn't make sense here's why i think we need to look at this again mm-hmm. and find it out and then the other thing too is like as mechanical engineers the stuff that we look at so it can be dy- dynamic Right. And I think yep. pulling yourself back, and, and I see this in car crashes all the time, where it's like you have your hand calc, you look at the evidence, you look at everything, but sometimes there's things that are just like, this just doesn't add up. And until you actually go in and take the steps to maybe simulate it or really understand the dynamics of how those vehicles are moving, it just won't make sense. And you're going to miss something every every single time, you know? 
Mm-hmm. Uh, like whether I I end up using a simulator for everything or not, I always usually do something with it because it just helps you understand some of those dynamics, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, that's great. I like that. I like that. If yeah. it's not making sense, wipe the slate clean. That's good. <clears throat> good advice. All right. So what do you find makes a good expert witness or helps the expert be persuasive? I I think that um, for the persuasive part, I think the first thing there is your credibility is coming in and and you have a mark against you usually coming into our system because you are retained by a side and you are compensated by a side. So you really got to go through and show that you've considered all the possibilities. You've looked at everything um, and really considered the evidence. And then beyond that, I think you have to be an effective communicator. You know, you can't, you have to realize that when you're testifying, the audience may not be 12 engineers never going to be 12 engineers you know (laughs) you gotta talk to everybody about it and that can be a real challenge you know that that part is tough and then sometimes your window to actually testify where you have their attention is fairly short and i i always try to set things up to where it's more of a more of a a teaching opportunity Mm -hmm. as well as testifying you know to where as I'm testifying, I'm also trying to explain these concepts to people in simplified ways so they understand them. And, you know, I feel like if you can get people to conceptually understand what you're talking about, you have a lot better results than if you're just up there spewing, you know, giving your sermon, so to speak, <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. It definitely helps a lot. And I will say myself, like, that's the big, that's the hardest thing about this job, you know, mm-hmm. for me, it's just that effective communication. And it's the one thing that, with time, I feel like that's what continues to improve about about how I approach this, how I do it, the way I write reports, all of that has gotten better over time because it's the one thing that I think can always get better, you know. Absolutely. Yeah. And do you ever ever practice your communication? Like I know sometimes I'll come home and try and explain something yeah. to my wife. And just like watch her eyes glaze over mm-hmm. the like, guy. I have no idea what you're talking about, yeah. David. <laughs> well, and I'll say that when people I'm going to talk about, they're like, hey, I need you to be a jury for me for a second, yeah. you know, and explain the, you know, what I'm looking at, what I, what I'm thinking and stuff like that. And I just give them zero background on it and start to explain it because I just want to get their initial reaction to what I'm saying and see if they understand it and, yeah. and see what they think. And, it's 50 50 man <laughs> sometimes you nail it sometimes yeah you just get that blank look like you, you didn't even start that the right way you know you know you just failed from the beginning and then you go back and be like okay how can i explain this better yeah absolutely that's yeah. that's so important and you know for engineers i think a lot of people go into engineering because they don't like english they don't like speaking they don't like writing yeah. and I, I don't know how it is for you but at least for me that's you know, 90% of what I'm doing most of the time, oh, yeah. you know, it's, yeah. it's all writing, writing about engineering, yeah. but it's all, you know, there's yeah. a lot of writing and a lot of speaking and a lot of explaining. It's well, and like, that's, you ever sit on your report and you just go, how do I say this? What's the, <laughs> like, what's the best way? And you 
try to write a paragraph and look at it. And then you're like, okay, rephrase it this way or <laughs> what order, you know, cause there's so many nuances in all these cases and so much evidence and, and you could present it a specific way and just trying to figure out like, what's the best way to present all this so that my client understands, you know, not just my client, but the jury, anybody reading the report really has a good understanding of it. Yeah. And that's, that's hard. That's hard. Cause you have to almost pull yourself out of being an engineer for a minute. Absolutely. Yeah. I've, there's some reports that I've rearranged five or six times trying to make it flow. And I was like, oh, can't talk about this yet because I haven't talked about this other piece that needs to come first. And, you know, some of yeah. it's a little circular sometimes. So you got to make sure it's organized really well. Yeah. So yeah. It's almost like putting together a sales presentation in some respect that you have to build the base at the bottom and then add the details in as you go. So yeah, you gotta start from the foundation. Yeah. Absolutely. That's right. All right. So we find that most experts would like to be involved in more cases. Uh, what have you found to be the most effective marketing technique or the best way to get new cases in your business? I mean, I think first and foremost is just your reputation. Just mm -hmm. like the work that you do, how you handle your cases, how you communicate with your clients. Um, I mean, I've always found that like good communication is is just so crucial in this and keeping them up to date and letting them know what you're finding, where you're at. And the, the, the problem is, is that as we both know, when you get really busy, that can become really challenging when you're managing a whole lot of cases. Um, and and I do think the, the group of clients that we deal with they do talk to each other a lot you know and so they're i i small calls world. Most, yeah most new clients call and say hey i was referred to you by x and you know so and so and and that's how a lot of new work comes in for me um and then just with those existing clients i'm a big believer in you know go hand deliver your report if you can have any face time if you have to have a call go meet with them go to their office you know spend spend time with them i feel like the more face time you get the more they get to know you and understand you um the better and i've always had good success with that and um you know you get all the marketing your website your linkedin all that stuff but none of that even compares to just doing great work and, and communicating and getting getting that face time when you get a chance yeah so it's all about being memorable and being known and actually having those real relationships yeah. right yeah you know, as convenient as zoom meetings are you don't yeah you don't quite get the same feeling after you know sitting in a room with no someone. no you don't i think it's, it's something to be said for person to person especially now where zoom's so common mm -hmm. you know yeah big deal all right so In your business, do you do any engineering work outside of the forensic work, or are you focused solely on the forensic expert witness? We're, we're, yeah, we're primarily doing forensic work. We don't have like any design that we do or anything like that. And mm -hmm. if we do any type of design, it's usually geared towards testing something or something to do with with a forensic <laughs> case, you know. So sure. yeah, yeah, we're we're pretty much centered on on that. Yeah. Okay. And uh, I guess how has that, I mean, you said that you did some design work early on in your career. How has shifting into the expert work 
how has that affected your life and your business? Oh, I think I, I actually really enjoyed doing design work when I did it. Um, but I also felt that it was very repetitive for what I was doing. And for, I think for me, the one thing that the expert work does is I feel like you're always learning and growing. There's, you, you could 24 hours a day, the rest of your life on something with expert work and still continue to learn. There's just so much, so much out there with it to know and to understand and it just you know with the, with the crash reconstruction especially with how much vehicles are changing with all the electronics there's just always something new to learn and i kind of felt like at least in the area of design i was in i might have just sort of flatlined you know mm -hmm. i don't know not to say there's always more you can learn but it definitely wasn't near broad and dynamic as as the expert work can be um, and then, and then that and becoming a better communicator, which I think just transfers into your entire life, you know, that's not just expert work. That's your relationship. That's, that's everything that you do is an effective communicator. So, you know. Very good. Uh, so this has been great. Uh, I love talking with you. We've, you know, we've met before and had lunch and yeah, uh, always, yeah. always good to chat with you. Uh, so the last question is, how can attorneys find you? You know, if they're listening to this and and want to hire you on a um, case, how can they find you? Yeah, so everything's on on my website. So it's robertsforensic.com, um, and then I've also got a LinkedIn page for myself and my business, and all the contact info and everything that they need is is right there. So you know, that's that's the easiest way. It's probably the most common too. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, very good. Thank mm -hmm. you so much, Tori, for being here. Uh, we appreciate your thoughts and your comments and wish you all the best of luck in your business. Yeah, thank you. I really appreciate you having me. Enjoyed talking to you.